Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. And good morning. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. As we start the second hour of our show, we recap the 2020 Major League Baseball Draft. Of course, coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll dive into some of the other picks, perhaps some potential fantasy stars for the future. But before we get into the individual players, Joe, I think it's pretty obvious a lot of the guys and the scouting directors who are involved in this thing went the safe route. They went the route of get me the guy right now that can play in the big leagues. Usually it's littered in the first 15, 20 picks with high school players. But the good news, at least for us, is that regardless of what happens this season, I think in 2021, maybe 2022, we're going to see a lot of these kids. The path to the big leagues is pretty clear. A lot of college kids went last night. It is. In fact, it was a record amount of college kids in a row to start a draft, too. The first time we ever had that many go in a row like that. And it's understandable. Uh, And when you look at what the Major League Baseball landscape is right now, we've talked about it quite a bit on our show in the last week or so, which is college baseball is almost like that new rookie ball. And people feel very comfortable. And you look at some of these kids who – went from like Nick Gonzalez, right? A guy who was a walk-on, right? And all of a sudden now he's going in the top 10 in the draft. We're talking about guys who weren't necessarily big high school players. All of a sudden they get to college and they blossom and they become bigger stars. And now they're going into the draft. And I think major league teams feel more comfortable with them and where they're at skill set and development wise and the instruction they have. So it's less time development, quicker return on your investment. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. And I think this is not only going to be the trend for this draft, obviously, but I think this is going to be the draft going forward for many, many years to come. And I think it's a good thing for baseball. More play-ready guys will be getting to the big leagues faster, and that's exactly what you want. Well, I I think that it could be good. It also is, you know, kind of, I I think, sort of speaks to the jobs that everybody has in Major League Baseball as scouting directors, general managers, and presidents. I mean, Joe, we're in a very tough time financially and you may be cynical about it in Major League Baseball, but the amount of pressure that there's going to be on teams to win with limited budgets in the next year or two, it's going to astound people what is out there. I I do think that some of the big-name free agents will get paid, but make no mistake about it, when the owners end up caving and this ends up being a 60-70 game season, they're going to take it out on the following couple of years. So I think the draft will be normal next year, but this draft was anything but, and I would also say... That Joe, uh, as we dive into the picks and we'll get into them here, there wasn't a single person in the entire country who was even <laughs> close on the first three picks in the draft. Not a one. Well, and they all got one right. They got number one right. That's about congratulations. it. Well, well, congratulations! It's like getting, it's like it's like a Joe Burrow doesn't go, you know, goes first. Go, you got Burrow. It's like, wow. So why are we doing this? Upside down. Greg, why are we, you and I need to abandon our posts because if we were as wrong as often as people who cover drafts for both MLB and, and NFL, we wouldn't have jobs. You and I would not have a job. They would call us tomorrow and say, no, you, nope, nope, you're nowhere it is close. Amazing. To it is it, amazing. It's crazy. We're, out of, we're in amazing. the wrong business. <laughs> and, 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 this, and this is why, uh, you know, on the shows, I mean, for those of you, you know, take you behind the curtain here a little bit, we prepare sometimes for these shows in advance. And the only picks that I put in for the shows was Torkelson at one. And I was certain that the Marlins were going to take Asa Lacey with the third pick overall in the draft. So it just goes to show you, even with me covering the Marlins, I didn't even know going into the draft. Of course, I did tell everybody in the world before they took Max Meyer that they were going to, but a story for another day. So the first overall pick in the draft, okay, fine. We can spend 30 minutes on him. Spencer Torkelson who, by the way, the Orioles would have taken it to, the Marlins would have taken it three, and on down the line. He was the consensus Mm -hmm. first overall pick in the draft. And um, kind of a little bit of a uh, scoopy programming over on MLB uh, Network and ESPN, because immediately after they made the pick, they went out of their way to mention that Torkelson is listed at third base. Now, trust me when I tell you, Joe, this is produced prior to a show. Mm -hmm. So that was the little bit of the inkling here. Um, Hey, you know, that's a really interesting little tidbit. If they decide to bring Torkelson to big league camp in 2021, potentially as a third baseman, I look at the Tigers third base situation and say, yeah, I mean, mean, you you could, I mean, you could put him in, right. I mean, Candelario was, uh, you know, not the best in the, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) I, I, I could see, 
I mean, look, I don't know if it'll work. I mean, no, but I, be a, I could see. Pusher, look, I could but... see a kid who get. Well, look, the problem is he's not going to be able to play minor league baseball this year. That's a big problem. But I, I don't think 2022 is out of the question. And it's funny because when we talked about Torkels, and the one thing I, I said to you, I said it's really odd when we get a right-handed first baseman going number one overall draft. It's just not something you see. And I said he's got really good footwork. He's a good athlete. He's got a good arm. I just don't think he's going to stick in third at, at first base. I said, I said maybe he goes to the other corner. Maybe he goes to the outfield. And then they announced the pick. As uh, when the commissioner announced the pick, they said Spencer Torkelson, third baseman, Arizona State. And I was like, oh, OK. So I guess we've really made it defined. And clearly these conversations have gone on before. And look, it's not because Miguel Cabrera is there because he's a DH at this point in his career. But I think it's the best profile for him. I think let's see if he can play third base. He's a good athlete. Like I said, when I watched him take infield, he had really good footwork, got a strong arm, very athletic kid. I just don't think he is big enough. Like he's a six-one kid, first baseman, right-handed. To be a right-handed first baseman at the big leagues, you have to be so above board and defensively. <clears throat> it's just or just incredibly off the charts offensively. And he might be, but let's talk about trying to get him to the big leagues. And they talk about Pat Burrell being a guy too. Right-handed power bat, started off as a third baseman, ended up in the outfield. That could be his path as well eventually. Well, I, I think that Right now, as it stands, with the way that things are in Detroit, they could use a bat. They could use one fast. <laughs> they could use ten. <laughs> and uh, I mean, they have a lot of young pitching, but they are really weak in the hitting department. So they they needed that pick, and they needed it badly. All right. So the second overall pick in the draft, the Orioles. They basically had their pick. It could have been Austin Martin from Vanderbilt. It could have been Asa Lacy from Texas A&M. But no, no. They go way off the board and take Heston Kajirstad from Arkansas. Now, uh, look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this kid can't play, because that's not the case. He's a very good player. But this is where the business of baseball is a lot different than the on-field part of baseball. Mm. And clearly, the mm. Orioles, Joe, the Orioles, like the Tigers, with a ton, a ton of needs, well beyond the second overall pick in the draft, I don't think they would have ignored Torkelson, but very clearly this was a move to me at the very least, and I hate to say it for oh, Kajirstad, whose dream has come true here, uh, but they, they need, in the second and third round, Joe, they're going to probably end up taking kids and way spending over uh, their slot, and that's why they took Kajirstad here too. No, this was a, a financial move. I think we can all agree on that. And what was even more stunning is to the, the next guy in number three, where the Marlins went, we thought... Asa Lacey was the lock there. At least it seemed like he was the best pitcher on the board. Oh, I would have had that as a lock for sure. Yeah, it's a good thing you didn't wager on that one because it turned out it to be was Max on FanDuel. <laughs> was, <on laughs> was it really? Oh, he my was, goodness. He, yeah, he was minus 500. I'm like, oh, oh. no value in that. So, <laughs> oh, well, it turns out you were right. I don't There's think Max no Meyer point. was there. Okay. Well, Max so Meyer. The story with, well, the story with say, Max Meyer. Okay, now, guys, you take the Max Meyer. It's the, it's the Marlins. So let me take Max Meyer. Oh, you got it. The story with Max. Max, the story with Max Meyer is this. I was certain that if they did not take Asa Lacey, that they would take Max Meyer. But I was just as certain that they was taking Asa Lacey. So I didn't really think that that would come into play. Somebody texted me earlier in the day yesterday, and they're like, what are they going to do? I'm like, they're going to take Lacey. Well, what if they don't? Then they're going to take Max Meyer. But I'm like, but that's not going to happen. And they're like, what about Austin Martin? I'm like, oh, not going to take Austin Martin. It's going to be one of those two pitchers. But man, going into the draft, and 15 minutes before, I had no idea. I thought it was going to be Lacey. Now, five minutes before it happened, I knew it was going to be Max Meyer. I got to tell you, Joe, this one shocked me in a very big way. I knew how talented this kid was, and they thought of him very, very highly. Uh, but they basically, right now, in the 2020 draft, it's a very clear judgment call for them. It's like those drafts that you go back and you look at the past and you say, the team took Darko instead of taking, uh, you know, Dwayne Wade. They took, uh, I mean, and I'm not saying it's going to play out like that at all. Meyer could be a, a star, but they took Meyer and then Lacey went next to uh, Kansas City. So that's the way that we'll judge that pick. It's really easy to do. Well, the thing about Meyer is a little undersized, too, and he was a converted reliever. So he's a reliever first at Minnesota before he ended up. Uh, as a starting pitcher there. So you could say, okay, a little less miles on the tread. Maybe, maybe that's possible. Uh, and I, I, you know, when you think of undersized pitchers, you think of guys like Sonny Gray have had success. 
Uh, you think of guys like David Cohn. He was always my favorite of the undersized bulldog kind of pitchers, which David Cohn was such a tremendous you know, pitcher. But like it, it takes a lot to be those undersized guys and be, I think, uh, effective big-time starters in the major leagues. And that's why it's hard. Like Tim Hudson's another guy that comes to mind, too. And we'll see if he can fit into that mold. Maybe he can because he is in that smaller right-handed pitcher uh, vein. But Asa Lacey, you know, the most amazing thing I thought, and I was paying very close attention to this, the pick that came in right after, number four for the Royals of Lacey, was so quick after the Meyer pick. It was almost like they went, wah, wah. It's like if you're sitting in a draft room with your friends in a fantasy football draft or something like that, and somebody passed on Christian McCaffrey at, at one, and you're like, wait, oh, well, I'm going to take McCaffrey. And I think that's what happened there. And I thought that was very telling right there. And I, it gave me pause and saying, oh, did they make the right call here <laughs> by taking him? Because... My goodness, there was no hesitation by the Royals to take Asa Lacey, who, again, there's an organization that is bereft of some young starting pitching. He could be an ace in two years for this club. So uh, what do you think of Lacey ending up in Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. But, you know, I, I look, I, I have to trust the scouting departments of these teams over me. And no disrespect to any of the prospect writers or mock writers, clearly ahead of those guys. I mean, my gosh, everybody was so wrong about this draft. Um so I think that the other kind of big story for this is that Austin Martin slips out of there, Joe. And I think that that was a player that every single mock draft had going one, two, or three. And look, the only thing that I can think of, and I don't even think it's fair because Miami uh, drafted Bladé last year and he was a Scott Boris client, but he was the he is the Scott Boris client at the top of the draft. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, we're going to end up seeing if teams missed on him. Some people feel like he's going to be a great shortstop one day, but a lot of teams just simply let him slide. Let him well, go off and that was line. that was the key to shortstop. So he's a guy who played all over the infield and the Blue Jays announced him as a shortstop. So they might see him as the future there. And look, this is a very young, exciting team. I think Austin Martin, I, the one thing that jumped off the page to me, I, I said yesterday's show reminded me of Jason Worth, just like a great athlete kind of guy. Taller kids going to, you know, clearly, you know, age into that body a little bit. But Vanderbilt's turned out some really good players. Uh, and then after that, I got to be honest with you, like the guy I had my eyes on was Nick Gonzalez, who got taken by the Pirates. I thought they got a steal here with him. He has the fastest hands of anybody I've seen in the draft in terms of getting to the baseball. And I just think this guy's going to rake and he's going to get to the big leagues very quickly. And he's going to be a, a fantasy asset for people. This is a guy with a you know potential can hit a winning batting title kind of guy. That's how good these hands are. So I thought for me in the top 10, that was the pick I had my eye on. Who in your mind was the guy to keep an eye on in top 10? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think that, look, I mean, for me, it was very clear that Lacey was the guy that I wanted to see where he ended up because I thought potentially he was the best starting pitcher in the draft. So I'm so intrigued now that Miami chose to go in a different direction that it, it actually uh, makes my job covering the team a lot more fun to sort of follow <laughs> this story. And now the spotlight is on him. But look, I got to tell you, the draft process that they went through last year the Marlins unequivocally, if they didn't have the best overall pick in the draft, uh, best overall draft, they were number two or number three. And so uh, that process is definitely going to be up for discussion again here in 2020. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Craig and Joe will cover this draft from start to finish on tomorrow's show as well. But for now, we head back to some football talk. We'll back after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. You can head on over to the FanDuel Sportsbook. They have plenty of good options there. Plenty of content, by the way, too, if you're looking at the 2020 NFL season. NBA is there as well. They actually had some odds they put up late yesterday uh, on the MLB draft. So you can check out everything over at the FanDuel Sportsbook if you want right now. And by the way, uh, on our previous shows here on Fantasy Sports Today, Joe and I, uh, over on our YouTube channel, if you go back, you can watch our shows on demand. We literally have gone through dozens of players and their props, their over-unders for yards and touchdowns. And, of course, all this is fluid, and we have a long way to go before the football season starts. But simply put, if you are looking for some NFL content on the wagering side, head on over to our YouTube channel and just go to SportsGrid, subscribe to it, click on Fantasy Sports Today, subscribe to that, set your notifications to on. You can watch all of our shows on demand. All right, so uh, let's let's touch on the NFC East here. 
as as FanDuel has put some basically what they're calling local bets of interest up. And the Giants and Eagles are both, of course, in the NFC East. And they essentially have proposition wagers up right now, Joe, that you can wager on where you think they're going to finish within their division in the NFC East. So let's take a look at the basically the odds that you can get right now if you log on. Uh, first place is the long shot, clearly, for the Giants to win the division. You could get 8-1 to one on your money. Second place, you could get about 5-1 to one on your money. Third place is more or less, you know, sort of the even money, but there's a little bit of a benefit to that as well. I think most people would feel the Giants will probably end up third or fourth in that division. And fourth, of course, last place, uh, you get plus 160 if you pick the Giants to be last. But, I mean, but sort of this is telling you, Joe, that the Giants are probably a four, five, six win team. They're somewhere in between third and fourth in the division. I think it would probably be far-fetched to think that they could win the division, but it's not that outrageous at 8-1 to one either. No, it's not outrageous, but I don't think it's a good wager because there are two teams ahead of them that I think on paper at the very least are markedly better. Now, one, we're waiting on a quarterback situation at the time of recording this to kind of work itself out there with Dak Prescott. And the other one is Carson Wentz, who I think is getting a little bit of a bummer rap there. I mean, he had the torn ACL a couple of years ago, came back from that, and unfortunately ended the year uh, in the playoffs with a concussion. So now he's starting to carry the injury tag around him. I don't know if I want to hang that on him right now. I just don't, you know, we have it, players who have had concussions. It's football. So I don't know if I want to go that far. But I think if you if you think there's any sort of a flip-flop, and I know we're going to do the Eagles next, where the Giants right. could surprise people, then that number two spot is interesting because you mentioned, you know, sometimes about the head-to-head -head record. Sometimes it's about these weird tiebreakers. And if so, maybe there is a little room for the Giants to be better. Now, they did fix some things on the offensive line. That's a big positive there for them. Uh, they do have a, an all-world running back. I mean, I, outside of Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's Elliott, there's McCaffrey, and then there's Saquon Barkley. I mean, that's it. Now, unfortunately, Elliott's in the same division, but Barkley is one of these transcendent-type talents where you can literally just kind of get on that and ride that train all the way into, you know, a winning record, potentially. So I would assume second place in this division has got to be somewhere around nine wins. And I don't think it's impossible for the Giants to get there, considering this division basically beat itself up last year anyway, and nobody wanted to run away with it. Every week we kept saying, well, this is the week where the Cowboys run away with it. Well, this is the week where the Eagles can walk away I, with I, it. I, and I nobody wanted that, but, to do it. But that, that is correct on last year, but I think that that was a little bit of an anomaly. I'd have to go back and check data on that, but at least the way I feel when watching the league all these years is that when that happens, it's usually rare. And it doesn't happen again a second year. So, I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that these four teams are going to be battling it out for eight and eight, nine and seven. Uh, oh, I not these four teams. I don't think that at all. But I, I think that th what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that the Eagles and the Cowboys last year each had opportunities to kind of solidify at different times right. of the season their dominance in the division. And almost every single time, they both fail to do so. So I don't know if that's an indictment on the coaches. And I know there's a new coach in, in Dallas. I don't know if it's just a killer instinct that they're they're lacking in there. I don't know what it is. But the only other money to be made here, if you're not going to go up to second place, because I think first is unrealistic, is if you think the Giants are going to be worse. And you want to believe, like, USA Today went out there and put out that the Giants were a four-win team and they thought that the Redskins were going to be better. Do you think that? Do you think they are going to be a— I can't see them being a worse team than the Redskins. The Redskins don't have anything close offensively to what it doesn't. Does. It doesn't. It doesn't look like it. But what I would say is like a like a bet for me this year. It, it does. I mean, maybe exists or maybe does not. I don't know. Uh, I would go over on the odds of a team winning nine and a half games in the division this year. I, I just think it's. I don't want to go back and look at last year ever in the NFL. It's a year-to-year -year league, and I think that... No, that's fair. It, it, it just doesn't matter to me. So, like, it wouldn't shock me at all to see the NFC East winner have 12 wins. And and I, I am not in love with recency bias. I know what happened last year. I know that basically Philadelphia played Dallas. All they had to do, Dallas could have been 8-8 eight and eight and been the division winner, and they couldn't even get that done. I get all that. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to yeah, bet that Dallas had to beat some, the Patriots. Some, they could beat the Patriots. Some team, and that's will, emerge. Game. Yeah. Some team will emerge in that division. And, and look, I don't like the Redskins either. And I don't like their quarterback situation. I don't like their team. But the, two wins doesn't change for me at all with the Giants. So for me, I have the Giants third and I would go chalk. I'd go plus 120. I, I, I tend to agree. It's the it seems like the boring thing to do. 
Yeah, but I but still think the they're, but you know what? They're still, I think, a click behind everybody else in terms of roster depth, especially on the defensive side. That's, to me, the difference maker of, like, I think the Giants offensively can be really competitive this year, and I think they're going to surprise people offensively. I think it's on the defensive side, unfortunately. So I love them for fantasy, but on the wagering side, I think the defense, unfortunately, still is a work in progress, whereas the Eagles defense and some of the personnel on the Cowboys defense, I think, is markedly better. So if anything, they have a shot at second. But I think third is by far the safest bet, and that's why you're seeing the odds you're seeing in the plus 120. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I hate to do chalk too, but I mean, I, well, I but see. I don't think I think you're right. I don't see them I, I think they out have, worse I, than the Redskins either. I mean, that's what they're my asking. Opinion, my my opinion is it would be very far fetched for me to believe that they could beat out both Dallas and Philadelphia. That exactly. doesn't seem realistic, Impossible. and it seems unrealistic that they that they'll finish behind the the Redskins. So. You know, that's that's the way I see it. And that puts them in third. But I would say second is a possibility, too, and probably a better bet, probably a better bet. If you want to take a little bit of a dart throw and bet one hundred dollars instead of trying to win 120, well, try to win especially on that narrative that you're talking about, Craig, because the narrative we're talking about, well, maybe one of these teams does break away and wins 12 games. Well, that means somebody is going to be worse than you think. So whoever that second place team is. Or, you know, like maybe well, whoever they could that, win out of division. No, they could. Well, they could well I'm just saying it's very rare that a team wins 12 games and then like well, there's somebody I mean, else. I mean, I said it wouldn't shock me, but 10, but I said over nine and a half. So 10 is is like realistic. I mean, that's right. Well, when you, you had mentioned 12 and four, you know, it's possible. And, it I, and I don't surprise. Wouldn't and it wouldn't surprise me either. And if that happens, it's either. probably going to mean that the Eagles are a team that came back. Backwards, I would think that, that something happened there, maybe in a Wentz injury, maybe Miles Sanders, something happened in this team or just an implosion of of execution. And the Eagles are the team or the Cowboys are the team to take a step back. It's one of those two teams that has potential to win 12. I don't think the Giants have a potential to win 12 games, but I do think that the Eagles and the Cowboys, you could look and say, yeah, if everything breaks right. They could be 12 win 10 at least. All right, let's move over to the uh, Philadelphia Eagles in the uh, NFC East. And, of course, uh, look, they, at this point, are essentially, the way you're looking at it over on FanDuel, is the belief is that they'll finish second behind the the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, right now, to finish first, they're plus 140, so you risk 100 to win 140. Second, you're risking 105 to win 100. Third, uh, they're at plus 550, so certainly if they have a really bad year, you can make some money here, because if they finish last, you get 20 to 1. Wow. And I don't think anybody sees that happening, but it is the NFL, so who knows? Uh, but I, I think that I could go one, two, or three here. I don't think that any of these would surprise me. I don't think there's any value in having them finish second. So I would probably take a stab at having them win the division potentially. And again, you're always paying a tax on the Dallas Cowboys here. And I mean, on paper, is Dallas better than Philadelphia on paper? I maybe I, this is FanDuel says yes. So I guess so. No, they are. I, I think they are. I think when you look at the vertical passing game that Dallas has. There's no denying from the wide receivers, especially. I mean, Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup is a lot to handle for any secondary. That's a lot of guys. And then you have Ezekiel Elliott and Prescott coming off a year where he almost threw for 5,000 yards. There's a lot there to worry about. Um, But I'll tell you what, the many to be made here is the Eagles stepping backward. Like I said, I mean, and I almost feel like you got to, in a way, tie those together, right? Because if if you're betting on, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you're betting on saying the Eagles – falling off and going to third, well, it's probably not the Redskins who are going to be second place. It's probably going to be the Giants. So in your mind, Craig, would you tie these two together and bet, say, Giants at plus 470 and Eagles at plus 550 and do that as one bet? Because you really almost can't have one without the other. Nah, that's not true. I think that it's it's better to make one bet than two. It's it's easier to, it's easier to go one but for one. But mathematically, so what I'm saying nah, is... Nah, because, because the Redskins could shock team with somebody okay. and finish. Yeah, like it, whatever you have, whatever your conviction is, make the conviction, make the one bet. Well, this I feel is, like my this conviction is not a hedge. This is an all in. An no, all in it bet. is an all in. But here's my conviction is this I believe the Cowboys are still the team to beat in this division, without a doubt, personally, from, from my analysis, from, from my work. I believe that the Redskins are definitely still a team that is behind the rest of the pack here in this division, which means there's only two spots for people to flip flop. So the easy bet is to obviously go the chalk and say the Giants are third and the Eagles are second or basically stay away from it. But can you make the argument because if you can if you believe definitively in one and four, that two and three flip flopping is not that impossible. I mean, these could do seven and nine teams and it'd be a tiebreaker and you could win this. I understand it's it's risk. 
but isn't that the way you make money potentially if you're tying these two no. ideas together and separating no. the other? No, you, you find you find one. You have one conviction about one bet. If it's a, if it's you know above you know even money plus one ten plus one twenty, you are once you add in a second variable. Essentially, what you're doing is I mean you're not hedging at all here, and is it what it comes down to is like a high risk parlay, which is never an advisable bet. And really the main reason behind all of this is that, okay, look, if you simply think that the Washington Redskins are going to be that bad, then bet heavily against the Redskins. Don't don't put that into your Giants bet, because guess what? Daniel Jones gets her week two. You could be right and be wrong and lose anyway. So the less variables you have out there, the better off you are. It's a league with injuries. Find Find one piece of information that you think that works for you and then go from there, because in the end— if you make those two bets and the guy gets hurt and I come back to you at the end of the year and you say, well, the guy got hurt, that's not an excuse. I mean, you lose. So which it's do you like more? Do you think it's more realistic for the Giants to finish third or for the Eagles to finish second? Because that's what FanDuel is telling you they're going to finish. I think the Eagles could very easily win the NFC East. Very easily. But you're not getting Dal- great Dal- odds Dallas is Dallas you're is getting, overrated every year. No, you're getting you're getting. Uh, well, hold on a second. You're getting plus one forty on them. Anyway. That's really good. That's, that's good. better than not, second. It's not as good second. as the third place finish. <laughs> no, it's not. But I, I feel that the Eagles are a better team than the Giants. I do. I Fair do. Enough. I feel they're better yeah. than the Giants. I think. Good I think discussion. the Giants could be better than. I feel the Giants could be better than Dallas. Again, you're always wow. paying tax. You're paying tax on Dallas on the odds. You never. I mean, that's why that's, I never been your right. Cowboys. You're not wrong, but I think Dallas is. Pretty good. And I think McCarthy's going to bring them the discipline they've been lacking, personally. He's going to bring them that 8-8, eight and eight, no doubt. <laughs> All right, we'll be back uh, with some baseball discussion. You're watching Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. In case you missed our recap of the MLB draft, we're going to continue on, by the way, and talk about some of the picks that are going to be made in the third, fourth, fifth round. We'll discuss that this weekend. I'm guessing, Joe, that you have a uh, full plethora of things to discuss also on Diamond Bets this weekend. What do you got going on? Absolutely. We're going to be breaking down the draft there as well. For your fantasy nerds out there with uh, my boy, the Welsh from In This League and the Black Book Podcast. Also, he's the host of Prospect One. Uh, Welsh does a fantastic job in the baseball black book. He uh, covers the AFL, so he's there interviewing a lot of the players. He's there on the ground seeing these guys with his own eyes, so it's more than just stats, which is always great. Uh, and he's also a guy that's seen a lot of Spencer Torkelson play <laughs> in the last year or so over in Arizona. So uh, check out that. Also, we're going to be doing our National League East preview, and uh, we're also going to be having some fun with our favorite rookie cards. That's right, more baseball card stuff nice. because it's fun. But uh, spoiler alert, there's some uh, fun twist there at the end where we have a little bit of fun with our friend Matt Stryker and some of his cool. cards uh, that exist because uh, he is a famous wrestler after all. That's that's true. By the way, my uh, I sent my cards in a couple oh. months ago to get, to get graded, and I, I got the grades back. We, maybe Did you say a couple months that. ago? Months? Yeah. yeah, months, yeah. And how'd they come back? How'd you do? I, I think they came back pretty good. Any 10s? Yes, I did. I got a 10. Oh, oh What was the 10 on? You got to tell me what your 10 was on. Shaquille O'Neal's rookie. Nice. Here we yeah. go. Excellent. Yeah. When I, when I, get, when I, I think it's better visuals, so when I get them back next week, um, we can go through them. If you want, it's up to you. Ex- I want to see Mish's grades. I want to see, see them. I yeah, I haven't, I haven't sent cards in to get graded. Uh, I, I, I have sent some cards in in the last year, but I haven't sent cards in to get just specifically for this graded. I mean, 10 years maybe. What a fabulous maybe. job. Like, can you imagine that job? It's like all day you just go there and you open up cards and you see cool cards. You go, oh, yeah, look, look mad. Eh, it's a six. Eh, it's a. You know what? That's probably what the guy does. He's probably like smoking a cigar. He's like, eh, that's a two. Eh, what is it? Ooh, it's a. Eh, eh, we'll give it a eight. Eh, who cares? What are you doing? Eh, yeah, we should. That that would actually be a good reality show. That <laughs> well, the that. the greater <laughs> guy, and then like something's wrong with it. They didn't look closely enough. <laughs> oh no! When you turn around, oh, it's a really nice card. You flip it over. Oh my god! Is that a coffee stain? What is that? Oh my god! Or oh, look at that. Yeah. that ever so slightly. Ever so slightly, the I one corner. 
I, I would say that I was pleased. I would say that there were some that I thought were a little bit better, and some came back better than I thought. It's like that Pawn Star show. <laughs> I feel like where you're like yeah. you're haggling with the guy. <laughs> It'll be. I think. I think you'll enjoy it because. It's, oh, I know. I, I will. With, with me, a lot of the stuff is the is the legends guys. You know, I don't really. I mean, I I, I do have some of the more modern stuff. But it is really hard to keep up with prism and optic and silver, black, blue, purple. I mean, it is like there's well, so many you things. With the purple book, I mean, it's you know you don't want to go. I already too have my there. purple book. There's nothing yeah, that right. I can say there. So mm-hmm. uh, before we before we get to anything with uh, with this, oh, I want to ask. So. <laughs> I want to ask you. I want to ask you this because when it comes to baseball, uh-huh. and when it comes to social media, I understand it's a, just a cesspool of negativity and all that. I I, I totally get it and I understand it. Mm-hmm. Whenever I just talk normally on there and I say anything, no one really has anything to say. But whenever I say anything baseball related, because I cover the game, I tend to get a lot of discussion going. So uh, on on Twitter yesterday, uh, Jeffrey Flanagan, who covers the Royals, uh, made a comment that after the draft was over, that the Royals are going to be in a prime position to to sign a lot of uh, free agents because essentially... They've treated their minor leaguers very well. They're not the only team. Um, sure. And in fact, it's, what's interesting, Joe, is I had a tweet ready to go in my drafts that was very similar to that, and I waited too long, and this guy put it out sort of before me. It's actually interesting. So as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let me tell you what I think the Marlins have in their mm-hmm. corner. And my comment on Twitter was that the Marlins, first of all, the Marlins did treat their minor leaguers well, too. Uh, but beyond that, they have uh, really a, a closer on the phone in Derek Jeter if they choose to go that route. I don't even know if Derek Jeter is going to do that. I'm not sure. Again, this is – He I mean, might. Derek... I wouldn't put it past him. He wants to win. Okay, so he might. I agree with you. I, I think that that's going to happen. If but I, I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of turn and say that this guy who is the CEO of the team is going to be. I'll on speak the out of turn. That's my job here on yeah. the show. I speak out of okay, turn. Okay, so but hypothetically speaking, that was my my comment, and it's being met with quite a well. You know, the Marlins fans are all like, yeah, and then everyone else is like, oh, you're an idiot. So, <laughs> so, so do you th- do you think that? And and this, I I believe that this is the case. But play the other side of it if if there is another side. Sure. I think that if there is a kid that is a senior in college, okay, uh, Derek Jeter's not getting on the phone with a kid that has a chance to get a four-year scholarship to Vanderbilt and next year come in the draft and, and make millions of dollars. That kid is going is going to college. Okay, like he's not a high school kid. He's not signing with the Marlins after the fifth round. No, but he might be signing with the Marlins next year because the Marlins are still going to be bad. So it doesn't hurt to at least get on the phone with him. That's a point, too. That is Look a at me. Not even Look at me. Make I, that point. is not even something that I should have brought up to these idiots. I should have said You're that. You're welcome. That's why but I'm here. Go go get right. on there right now. Take a break from but the show. I think. On Twitter and do it. All right. Goodbye, everybody. All right. <laughs> but, but, I, but I think that. As, and I don't, and it's hard because I don't want to use another team as an example. But let's just say Team B mm-hmm. calls a, a kid on the phone, and the kid is done with college, right? It's twenty grand. He would have been, let's say, an eighth round pick, and and, and it's an executive of some team. Just babe, what are they? Gonna, what can you? The kid's got to be like. I mean, look, he may not even have an agent. Like for twenty grand, like what's the agent gonna get paid? Like you're gonna lose three thousand dollars just by hiring an agent. What's the point? Oh yeah, I agree. So th- they're on the phone. All these teams are calling, and then all of a sudden, and they're giving oh, well, you can play for us, and we have a plan, and, let, and they have a presentation, and they got a spreadsheet, and they got all this great stuff, and then Derek Jeter calls you. Like, are you kidding? Like you're telling me that that wouldn't? Now I don't know that that would guarantee them signing, but. No. After the, I'm sitting, I'm an 18 year old kid, and I'm sitting in my living room with my parents, and I'm going through the options, and I have mm-hmm. Derek Jeter on the phone, and I hang up. I don't care if he called you first or he called you last. I think that's the one that I'm gonna remember and wonder to myself, like, wow, like he called me. This is one of the greatest players of all time. I wonder what it would be like to play for him. You know, well, I, I don't think know. it matters. I, just, I, I know. I, I, and not God knows that I, I don't like to encourage you. We know that. We've been here together long enough. We disagree quite a bit. I happen to agree with you on this one. I think that player, when you hear from a Hall of Fame player saying, hey, I believe in your skills, we believe in your skills, I think it's a little different. He says, hey, and, this and is And how we're is this any here. different That's than the NBA when they were, when, different. you know, when this guy's on the phone recruiting Kevin Durant and, you know, they're meeting Absolutely. with. 
I mean, I, I mean, I, I kind of, I know it's a much smaller scale. Okay, like let's not make any. And and the other thing too is that, remember, I, I don't believe that any team is signing fifty kids. Okay, because that just that just basically no. says, oh yeah, we're just gonna have a fifty round draft again. What was the point of cutting down the draft and cutting down all the minor leagues? But let's say that there are ten kids that the Marlins feel that are special, and they present. Derek Jeter with three phone numbers of kids immediately after the draft. The kid's been on the phone with, and again, no indictment on any team. If you're if you're watching, it has nothing to do with it. I'm just going to throw randoms. Seattle, Anaheim, Pittsburgh, hypothetically, mm -hmm. those three teams. And great executives work for those teams. Billy Epler, I mean, great, great people. And then yeah, but Derek, how many kids know who Billy Epler is? Everybody knows who Derek Jeter no, is. No, they, they, they don't. They don't. And... And you and I both know there's going to be talent that doesn't get drafted and kids who would rather go play baseball or financially might have the need for whatever family reason to go play baseball or give it a whirl rather than go to college and take that professional route. And you know what? Somebody's going to hit from this $20,000 group. You know it and I know oh, it. We've just gone through all these draft things of these deals. There's going to be a lot of kids. There's going to be a lot of talent that gets undrafted and those guys are going to have some massive major league careers. We know that for a fact. And I happen to agree with you when, you know, when you have a closer <laughs> that can come on the phone and close a deal like Derek Jeter, if Derek Jeter says he believes in me, that does carry some weight because I know he's not BSing me. I know Derek Jeter has done the homework and he's sitting there in these meetings. Derek Jeter's a very hands-on guy. You know that. I know that. You know, that's that's the way Jeter is. He doesn't I mean, take what, on – What is the equivalent of that in uh, for the other teams? Well, like, it, I mean, there would, it, would it basically be the Angels have, would nope. have to get Mike Trout on the phone, right? I mean, Mike yeah, Trout's not going to do that, but right? he's not. He's not going to get on the phone. Derek Jeter, so, so, I think, so what, will in the right like circumstances. The, like the Cardinals try to get a kid signed, you and I would love to hear from Ozzie Smith, but – you know, like, what will that mean to some kid now? I don't know that that would mean a, a lot. He played, you know, 30 years ago. So There's a handful of guys where I think it means anything. And Jer Derek Jeter's one of them. I mean, he just is. He's an iconic figure to so many of these kids. I mean, there's there's kids who are named Jeter for their first name. For God's yeah, sake. Jeter Downs is, is coming know. to baseball. You know, there, was somebody, there was somebody that said that Jeter is, is, you know, no one even knows who he is. Somebody commented to me today. <laughs> that he's that he's that it's old news to them. They were only young. Meanwhile, the uh, kid who got drafted last five night years ago. Austin Martin, it's his favorite player, is Derek Jeter. I mean, you're I mean, that's what I'm saying. He just finished five years ago. Anybody so who says that's an idiot. For an 18 year old kid, you grew up you, you, when you're when your favorites are formed. It's 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old. I mean, these kids could have seen Jeter get that 3,000 hit on TV against Price. Like, well, I mean, a good what, chance they did see that. And there's an even better chance that they recognized Derek Jeter was an almost unanimous Hall of Famer. It doesn't matter. I mean, I didn't grow up around Willie Mays. I know who Willie Mays is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, you know, if you are a baseball player, you know who Derek Jeter is for the most part. Let's be honest. Come on. Like, that's crazy. And to think that a phone call from him doesn't carry weight if you have two offers from two organizations. And Derek Jeter says, hey, if you come play with us, you know, we're going to give you every opportunity to prove yourself of and course. prove you're worth more than this. And, man, if I'm that guy, I'm I'm having that hypothetical phone call right now. I'm giving that phone call hypothetically. I'm fired up, man. I want. Where do I sign? I want to sign right now. And not only that, but listen, the presentation for the Marlins could, by the way, be, I mean, look, honestly, hey, look, we're only going to sign eight kids. You give us your signature, right. you're in. You yeah. don't. We may have to sign yeah, someone else. Our top eight, like these, we're, I'm, I'm only calling that, our this, first eight choices. The one, the one thing I want to make clear, and, and maybe some people misunderstood what I said, is Derek Jeter is not going to convince a kid who in two years could get millions and millions no. of dollars signed for $20,000. That's not the deal. But if you have a kid who has no other options at this point except for to sign for that $20,000 with a Major League Baseball team, and it's Miami up against somebody else, I think Miami has an advantage with that guy on the phone. I mean, that's basically as simple as it gets, like I think. Like I said, I, I t we, we have a lot of debate on this show. It's very healthy. Sometimes it's very heated. I agree here with you. I, I'm in 100%. And I think you should tell all the trolls to go back to their caves. I think, you, and, I think and, you're 100 By the way, like some verified people, too. Like, it's stupid. Like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, on to bigger and better things. We'll take a break, and we'll come back and wrap things up right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Talk about some of the players uh, that basically could have ended up having Hall of Fame careers with other teams, but didn't have that phone call from Derek Jeter and chose not to sign <laughs> somewhere else. We'll have that coming up on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe, we're back right after this.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back as we close things out on today's show. Don't forget, Joe and I will be back here on tomorrow's edition of the program as we're getting ready to close out the week here on Fantasy Sports Today. we got plenty more to come. We're going to hear from Gray Albright, of course, of Razball. Matt Sells will give us uh, his NASCAR preview, and we'll fully recap everything that happened in the MLB draft. Hopefully, uh, we're closing in on a season, and we're, it certainly does seem like the numbers are starting to get crunched into a, a number that works, and so hopefully we'll have that for you as well. Uh, but the interesting part of the draft are things that we really never hear about, Joe. They're the players that got taken very late in drafts and didn't end up signing and went to schools like Joe Ranieri. <laughs> Wait, didn't Joe Ranieri play for the Yankees? <laughs> Joe Ranieri got drafted, by the way. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Who did he get drafted yeah. by? The Yankees? I, no. <laughs> it, may been, it may have been Texas. It may Was have it? been Texas. It may have been. I don't remember. But he definitely got drafted. I, I believe I have heard that. So there, there you go. And he played for Oklahoma State. But anyway, there's all these stories about players that Russell Wilson, like they, they get drafted late. But there are legitimate players, Joe, who got drafted also earlier and um, you know, didn't sign with those teams. And then they go on in the Hall of Fame and they put the cap <laughs> on and it could have been another team. Yeah, it is. I mean, basically, these are, you know, where the stars didn't align for these stars to sign. I guess that's the way you could put this segment here. And the first one is Max Scherzer, who a lot of people don't realize was drafted in the 43rd round uh, by the St. Louis Cardinals in 2003. Now, St. Louis took a flyer on a local high school kid. Right. And uh, he was unpolished and unsignable. He was throwing 94 miles an hour at the time. But uh, Scherzer decided to go to Missouri instead, where he blossomed and he rose that stock quite a bit. He went from 43rd round to the 11th overall pick for the Diamondbacks in 2006. So three years, uh, obviously, this is what happened and uh, a big changeover. But, I mean, you could give the Cardinals a lot of credit for identifying the raw talent of Scherzer three years earlier. And, uh, again, the Cardinals are one of those organizations that always seems to be on it when it comes to talent evaluation. But imagine Scherzer, you know, with the Cardinals, if maybe he would have gotten right quicker in an organization like that. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting is that a lot of these names really had no chance of signing because the, the teams know it, but you're that late into a draft and you get to the 43rd round and, you know, the, the guys are sitting around the room and they're just like, hey, he's let's good. Just, <laughs> well, let, let's we know this guy has no chance, but let's do it. Let's, you know, something strange happens. We get a call, you know, they want to. And, and that's, you know, it's sort of well, like maybe a that's why you eliminate some of these rounds if if. If everyone's sitting around making that face that you just made, maybe that's a good argument for the oh, draft. No, Nothing. Oh, nobody, uh, nobody, even even the amateur scouting directors don't want forty round drafts at this point. They understand. They, uh, you know, they understand. They're they're. It's basically at that point, Joe, taking guys they've seen and are and are familiar with. That's right. it. Absolutely. Uh, and, and another and guy other too. Teams have no idea right. who and the guys are. <laughs> This next guy, Charlie Blackman, was actually taken not once but twice by the defending World Series champions, but never signed for either of them. So he's drafted by the Marlins in 04 in the 28th round, then the Red Sox in 05 in the 20th round. But no, 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 that was not good enough. He had to wait all the way till uh, summer ball in 2007. Uh, then he got drafted there after a, a stint at Georgia Tech. So Blackman had a chance to go. I mean, you know, this is a lot more in the 43rd round. I mean, just saying 28th and then 20th. For uh, teams that won the World Series just the year before, that's pretty cool when you think about it. And both, he's yeah. like, no, what, I'm better bonus, than this. What was his bonus in those exactly. rounds? A hundred, a oh, hundred grand, maybe like not even, you know. And it's like four year school, you know. It's that that's that plays a part of it. And, and also, he also Charlie changed Blackman, positions too during that and, time. And his beard too. Got to factor. And the beard. the beard. You're right. That's an excellent point. I did not factor the beard. But the beard was a factor. Buster Posey, a lot of people don't realize, was drafted by the Angels in 2005. My goodness. I mean, could you imagine the swing in that division if you had <laughs> Goldschmidt eventually did obviously get drafted by the Diamondbacks first, uh, had uh, quite a career there. But, man, could you imagine if, if Goldschmidt had been a Dodger instead of a Diamondback, how the swing in that division would have been? Yes, but let's also, you know, you follow fantasy like I follow fantasy. Paul Goldschmidt was not very much until that last year that he had in the minor leagues. And then all of a sudden sure. just came up and started tearing it up. He was not well thought of 
as a superstar type player. Um, now he is, but it, it didn't surprise me that he was taken late there or taken late anywhere else because it, when he burst onto the fantasy scene, it was like, who's this? Oh, Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, he had one good year in the minors and then bam, he came to the major. It, <laughs> was, he was, he wasn't a like a, a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or an no. Alex Bregman where you knew that eventually he was going to be good. It wasn't like that. No, and he was and he was playing third base at the time, too. He's also playing alongside Kyle Drabeck who was a first-round pick I for the Phillies, yeah. Doug Drabeck's son. Uh, unfortunately, that uh, did not work out as, <laughs> as expected. That no. career didn't go as many had hoped, that's for sure. But uh, eventually, Paul Goldschmidt did uh, certainly make his impact on the major leagues. Chris Sale, you, here's another one. By the way, before we go to Sale, do you think that Goldschmidt, when, if, whatever, there is a season, uh, you know, it, he was, when I, when I spoke to him this spring and I said, oh, you know, last year was kind of like, he was pretty quick to say I had a really good year last year. Like, I wonder if he's primed to just have a monster year this season, but he, he had like a, a, an issue with his shoulder or something. Yeah, he had a, he had a, I also think he had the issue of just that thing, that initial impact of putting too much pressure on yourself right away in a new place with a lot of money. And I just feel like that that happens to that happens to just normal. Like, great in April, but then boom. April no, but in May it, it was May bad. Was and look, I, I don't think Goldschmidt's done by any sense. A lot of people have dropped him a whole tier. I haven't. I still have him in that elite tier first baseman, and I think he's actually a good value this year. I think it's a great point. And uh, when you go back overall, he did have a pretty good year by even maybe not Goldschmidt standards year, but I would no, say a very good year. Thirty home runs. It's like I, I I guess what I did is I remember leaving the clubhouse and looking like pulling my phone up. I'm like, damn, did I miss something? I'm like, oh, I mean, he did, he only hit like 250, but yeah, the on base percentage was there. The home runs were there, yeah. and, and the batting average on And he the had batting. he had a very low, prolonged slump there that lasted almost an entire month. But uh, that's very ungoldschmidt like. However, I, I'm not worried about Paul Goldschmidt. Well, two well. years ago, he didn't hit at all April, May, and June, and people thought he was finished, and then June came. Mm-hmm. and he, He's he, getting streakier in his old age, like you and me. <laughs> How about Chris Sale? Could have been a Rocky? Probably not. No one who wants to sign with the Rockies if you're a pitcher. 2007, the 21st round. This one I did not know. Some of these I did know. I did not know this one with Chris Sale. 21st round. Could you imagine Chris Sale trying to get right in Colorado? I mean... It's pretty difficult there. Obviously, three years later, he was selected uh, 13th overall by the White Sox. So, uh, man, I mean, it's just it's tough. It's tough to sell any pitcher, even Chris Sale, on pitching in Colorado, no matter where you drafted or how much money you wanted to throw at him. It just uh, was not going to happen. Yeah, he it, he played for uh, FGCU over in Fort Myers, and he was like the most dominant pitcher they had ever seen on the West coast of Florida. So um, not surprising that he really improves his draft stock. And I think he was a first round pick. So, yeah. Uh, and speaking of uh, early round picks, how about the Yankees finally getting their man? What? 12 years later, because <laughs> Garrett Cole was selected in 2008 by the New York Yankees. They've covered him for quite some time now for the better part of a decade. And now He's finally theirs after all of these years. So the Yankees did get their man eventually. It took them uh, two teams in uh, 12 years, but they got him, I guess, when all said and done. How often does that happen where a team that doesn't get you? Yeah, it's not often. Could have been. 2008 in the 27th round, Anthony Rendon was selected there. Obviously, he went on to have a very good career at Rice. He was a tremendous college player and then moved that stock overall to uh, number six. Uh, Not bad. Six overall from the 27th round. So obviously with these guys, I feel like the story is, you know, they they bet on themselves and and we're waiting to cash in. And these are the players and you're seeing so many of them go to college and be very successful and get into that first round. And I think college baseball is really proving to be, you know, a, a big cut above where I think in our youth. We remember a lot of guys signing out of high school. It's that dream of being a ball player and forget college baseball. We're going to go be a ball player and we're 18 years old. It's it's much different now. And George Springer, the last one here with the Twins, actually, in 2008 in the 48th round. Again, more of a dart throw, but eventually 11th overall in 2011 with the Astros. The rest is history there. But Springer, another one, too, where, you know, imagine him as a Minnesota twin in that uniform. It's kind of hard to picture. Same thing with Ren- Rendon I could have seen as a Brave. He kind of fits that Brave model, I feel like. Just consistent, good, frustrating if you're anybody else but a Braves fan. I can see Rendon fitting in well there. Yeah, I I think that in the case uh, of Springer, again, 48th round, essentially they know the kid is not going to sign, but they're out of players to pick. So they just (laughs) take a a shot there. Uh, You know, Rendon also was sort of a late bloomer, too. I mean— I mean, even in his Major League Baseball career, I don't I don't think that people projected for him to be as good as he is. And that, to me, he is one player in particular that, aside from fantasy reality or anything else, 
I was really looking forward to seeing what was yeah. going to happen uh, with him with the Angels. Because, look, Trout has had protection. He had Pujols in better days, so I'll give him that. Uh, he had Upton in better days. Uh, I'll give him that, too. And Calhoun was good. You know, I mean, they, he's had some guys around him. But Rendon is sort of like an MVP caliber. Uh, yeah, nobody in their prime. I think that's the point you're making, right? Nobody in their prime like Rendon's in his prime right now. And that, and I'll tell you what, Otani's not far behind that either. Yeah, I, think, I keep forgetting that, about Otani. Yeah. If there's one guy that I think so far that I've been most bummed about not seeing play this year, it's Otani because I was looking forward to the show, the show of the guy pitching and hitting because I feel like baseball could use that story of that kind of two-way player. Could use something. any story. They could use any story. And that I was really looking forward to. I was kind of low-key thinking this was going to be the year of Shohei Otani kind of taking Major League Baseball by storm. And whether or not it lasted, I don't know. But I thought 2020 was going to be that year. And the Angels were going to be a very exciting team to watch. And unfortunately, we have no baseball to watch right now. And uh, I don't know. We'll who the, it. It'll be soon. It'll who be else soon. were you like really anticipating watching this year? Like Otani was the guy for me because of the the back and back back and forth. Who else besides Rendon for you? You really had in uh, mind. I would have liked to see Acuna. I mean, it's very rare for somebody to say that they would like fifty fifty. I would have loved to see at least forty forty or him try that this year. I, I mean, those those were <laughs> yeah. Th- those were some some uh, some interesting comments. I think. Um, I mean, I, I guess it's just going going to you know, back into my, you know, recency. But, I mean, I, I really feel like Real Muto was going to have a really big year for the Phillies in a free agent year if they didn't sign him. So I was looking forward to seeing that as well. And, uh, and look, there's some other teams, too, that I didn't know a lot about, like Seattle. Like, you look at, you look at I looked at their outfield right before, you know, March started. I'm like, wow, like, who are these guys? Like, I got, I got to, like, figure this out, see how good they're going to be. Uh, Joe Adele was going to make his major league debut. And then I it's, think, uh, you, keep you know, going back other... to the angels, like there's a lot, there's a lot of juice there with and the, the white Sox too. And oh, the white yeah. Sox white too. Sox. They had a lot of young guys. Uh, Mankata to me was that one that he already did take that next step next yeah. uh, last year, but with him and the offense around him, Eloy yeah, Jimenez, Jimenez and Robert. Was Robert. Yeah. yeah. It would have been a shame, but uh, I, I think, it, I think this is going to happen. I think we're going to have good news soon, but if the text that I get from the players and the executives, uh, provide any insight as to what is going on uh, with this labor agreement is that they know as much as we know because they're, <laughs> they're asking me and oh. I feel like I should be the one asking them. It's a really bad sign. This so, is not good. That's like, uh, all right. On that, note. Put, yeah, on that <laughs> note. No baseball for you. Enjoy the KBO. That'll do it for the show today. Thanks to Brett, Danny, and Ryan uh, for helping us out, especially with the draft stuff uh, coming down late yesterday. Joe and I will be back tomorrow here on Fantasy Sports Today. Hope you stay on Sports Grid. And we'll catch up with you again tomorrow at 11. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.